Support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from our friends at Bold Apps. Now, I'd love any app that helps store owners make more money. Bold Apps Quantity Breaks is just one of those apps. So if you sell any item that customers sometimes buy more than one of, you really should be incentivizing them to do so. Bold Apps Quantity Breaks lets you add tiered pricing or bulk pricing easily to your products. It's got a little built-in widgets that even let customers see the savings right on the product and in the cart. If you want to try Quantity Breaks out for free for two months, just go to ecommerce-bootcamp.com bold to get started today. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines, and it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Recording from EtherCycle headquarters outside Chicago, this is the unofficial Shopify podcast, and I'm your host, Kurt Elster. And I've got I've got a guest I'm excited about. You know, of course I'm excited about all our guests, but one in particular um, today that I, I reached out to and I'm, I'm thrilled to have here is Sean DeSouza. And the reason is is because he has helped me tremendously in my business, and in turn has helped my clients tremendously, whether they know it or not. And there's a book I've mentioned um, several times, and in my videos, in this podcast, all over the place, I always recommend, listen, you got to read The Brain Audit. I just pound this, pound away at this, at how important this book is. And it's it's a very easy read. You know, there's no reason not to do it. Um, I remember when I read it, I was sitting in a Starbucks with my wife on a Sunday afternoon. I read it, I took notes, and then I like went home and furiously started writing. Because The Brain Audit is about how to write an effective sales letter. And more so, once you understand that, you can write effective sales copy. And so once I had read it, I sat down and I rewrote um, the sales copy in my Shopify experts listing, the sales copy in my uh, on my on my website, and it just clicked. I had read so many copywriting books before, and I didn't like they were all they were long and procedural, and maybe they were good, but it didn't make me take action. It wasn't effective for me to create impact and change. And the brain audit was different. It was short. It was quick, and it it was relatable. And when I did it, when I put into practice the things that Sean was recommending and took action with it, suddenly, not only did we get more leads, we got a better quality of leads. I was able to attract people that I wanted to work with, that I was excited to work with, that I had more empathy than usual for, which was fantastic. And then in turn, 
I was a, uh, in our conversion rate optimization work, it became easier for me to recognize, oh, well, here, this isn't really effective sales copy. Here's how we could better write this. And it was because of Sean and his book, The Brain Audit. So I reached out to him uh, on Facebook Messenger and said, hey, you don't know me, but would you come on this podcast? And to my chagrin, he said yes. So I'm, I'm thrilled about it. Um, but joining us from New Zealand is, is Sean DeSouza. Uh, his website is psychotactics.com. If you want to check that out, we'll include it at the end, of course, um, where you can get, uh, I'll include a link to that, that book, an excerpt of the book that I absolutely love. Um, but what's kind of neat, he used to be a professional cartoonist. He's got a ton of energy, wakes up for him every day, takes three months off every year for vacation. No email, no work, just vacation. And we need to learn how that works. Um, and this is interesting. Loves food, cooks a new meal every day based on what shows up in Pinterest. I wonder how that works with ingredients. Hmm. Um, and has, has sheep or lives in New Zealand with sheep. I'm not sure. Anyway, Sean, thank you for taking the time and thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure, Kurt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. That was a long introduction. Uh, it's, it's, it's in interesting listening to people talk about you. Yeah, it's always, you know, I've, this is like episode 130 or something. Um, and I've, you know, I've been a guest on dozens of podcasts and it is still weird. Like at the end, everyone goes, Oh yeah, thank you. Thank you for that intro. That's really good. And it, like, it's weird for me too at the, when I'm a guest, where I'm like, huh, it's just, it's weird to be standing. It's like someone's talking about you while you're standing right there. It's, it's a little unusual. Um, okay. So I wanted to talk to you about, man, you said you, you get up at 4 a.m. every day. You take three months off of vacation. You do a lot. And yet you have this, this very wonderful separation and work-life balance. So why do you get up at 4 a.m. every day? It's just what I've done for the last 20 years. It's, but um, increasingly what I find is now I wake up at 4 a.m. and then I meditate for half an hour. And that makes a huge difference to the energy level that I have in the day. So I look at it almost like a recharger. You know, you, your battery is going to run down during the day and you've got this backup recharger and that's what meditation is for me. But I used to wake up at four o'clock just to do my work, to write, to, I do a lot. I write like 5,000 words a week, week after week on top of a lot of other stuff. But now it's more about just charging up for the day so that at five o'clock in the evening, I'm not exactly feeling like nine in the morning, but I'm not feeling like five in the evening. So do you have, would you consider yourself, uh, do you consider that you achieve a lot, that you are a, a highly productive person, or does it just seem normal to you? It sometimes, get frust it's, it sometimes gets frustrating. I will write two or three articles in a day and do two or three cartoons and do a whole lot of stuff, and I'll go to my wife, you know, I don't think I've done much today. And she'll go, just shut up. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, hearing that, it sounds like you, I mean, it, it seems like a, a tremendous amount of productivity. Um, yeah, I, I, sir, I don't consider, I don't think I would be able to produce, of course, I'm not a cartoonist, but producing three articles a day, producing, you know, several cartoons a day, getting all this stuff done sounds, it sounds like a great achievement. Um, and I think, uh, lately, it seems, especially in, in the U.S. anyway, that being busy is a status symbol. Being too busy to engage in stuff is a status symbol. And there's an article I read about it. I'll, I'll throw it into the show notes. Um, but it's very, it's weird. That I find that very strange. Um, 
And when we, when people join our email list, when they join uh, our Facebook group, I ask them to take a survey. And the very first question is, what's, what's the thing stopping you? What's your biggest pain or problem? Why aren't you doing what you want to do with Shopify? Why aren't you achieving success? That sort of thing. And the number one response I get back is, I'm overwhelmed. Like I'm being pulled a million directions and then I get nothing done. And I have, and that's interesting. And even this morning, uh, a nice gentleman emailed me, said, Kurt, you know, I, uh, I love your show. I love what you do. And I've got, you know, I've got this problem. And can you help me with it? And his problem was, he said that he, he's got these different business ideas. He wants to try them. They're all, you know, on Shopify. And every time he's ready to do it, he creates a Shopify store. And then he's got the 14 day trial hanging over his head. Um, and he goes, all right, I got the, gotta get this thing started in the first 14 days. And then nothing happens. He does absolutely nothing. So I feel like a lot of people, you know, just, set out and then spin their wheels. Whereas you have this, this process, you have a ton of energy and you're getting a ton of stuff done. How do you, how can other people go about achieving that same success? Well, you, you actually nailed that, that whole point, which is that people, they want to try and be busy. And essentially that's not how the human body works or the human brain works. It requires downtime. So when people talk about work, 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 and they say, you know, weekends are evil, and it's completely off the mark. And that's because on any given day, you need to wake up, you need to work, and then you need to sleep. And and your work day needs to be broken up into that kind of stuff. Your month needs to be broken up in that kind of stuff. And your year needs to be broken up that way. So when we say we take a three-month vacation, we've been doing this since 2004, our business started at the end of 2002, that is psychotactics. But by 2004, we decided that we wanted to take three months off. That was too long. So now we still take three months off, but we work for 12 weeks, then we take a month off, and another 12 weeks, and then we take a month off. And that that's how we work within the week, uh, within the year. But also, the week tends to be, okay, I'm going to work until 10.30 in the morning, and then after that, I'm going or so so now it's five o'clock in the morning by say I worked from four to six then I will take a walk at six o'clock so that's a break and then I'll come back at 730 or whatever at 830 I'll start working I'll work till 1030 I'll take another break I'll go and cook some food and all of this looks highly unproductive in the sense that okay you're supposed to work you're supposed to work but no your brain does a remarkable job when it's allowed to rest. And this is what people don't understand. So the first thing they don't understand is downtime. That if you don't have downtime built into a day, into your week, into your month, into a year, you will very quickly become exhausted and unproductive. So the reason why we take uh, uh, four weeks off after every 12 weeks is simply because if I don't take that month off, I will continue to do the same amount of work in four months that I could do in three months. So why do that? So that's that's the first thing. But the second thing about being overwhelmed is that by and large, unless you go back to the Bushman, the Bushman, even to this day, living in Namibia, works 17 hours a week. And they consider themselves to be affluent. They don't plan for the future. They think that uh, they get enough but by and large, uh, someone in the U.S. will work 50 hours a week at the very least. And this is in a job. I don't know 
how much time people put in their business. They will work 30 hours at home. That's an 80-hour week. But the problem is that if you step out of that Bushman zone, people have always been overwhelmed. They're just more distracted now. And you have to recognize the difference between overwhelm and distraction. And distraction means that you're getting 20 different offers at the same time. And the way that I tell my clients to work with it is this concept called the bare minimum. So it's called TBM. Uh, there is no book to read it about it. It's just what can you do in the bare minimum time? So, for instance, if I'm going to rebuild my website or I'm going to you know, learn how to do EPUB or I'm going to do anything, I'm going to go, what's the minimum amount of time I can spend on this project? And often it's just 10 minutes. Okay, so every day I will sit down for 10 minutes and work on this, but I will set a trigger. Now, the thing is, though, what we do is we set an alarm, and all of us set the alarm, and then we just turn it off. But a trigger is different. I go, after breakfast, I will do 10 minutes of this. And then I will make sure that I have someone who holds me accountable. So we have a forum called 5000 BC, and 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 I go there and post there. I've, I've spent my 10 minutes today. And that's it. So I'm doing very small actions. The first thing I'm doing is I'm setting the trigger, which is something like breakfast or lunch or a walk or a traffic light or something. I'm going to do that for 10 minutes. Then I'm going to report back and say I did it. And that's it. And you'll be amazed how much happens. My niece, she started out four years ago doing math. And today she's finished 15,600 equations. <laughs> Just using the simple method. So is the approach, you know, it's, um, have you read this book, The 12 Week Year? No, I haven't. No? Okay. So, uh, the, it's kind of an interesting book. Um, it, uh, what it said was, listen, when we set that, you know, a year is too long to try and plan projects. Like you set January 1st, you go, all right, here's my goals for the year. And then, you know, it's, a year is too, it's too long. It becomes abstract. We're like, ah, I could do it later. You know, it becomes easy to, to procrastinate. And of course, there's that wonderful Spanish proverb. Tomorrow is the busiest day of the week. Um, but it sounds like what you have done is you have shortened it. So like the longest time frame you're thinking in is 90 days because then you take your month, um, your month off and then you've got 90 days. So you are living in to sounds like to me anyway, uh, these quarterly years. But then within that, you break it down. You know, um, well, you know, I'm not sure how you break down the day. I would love to know. Um, but you break it into f everything into five minute tasks where you say, all right, it's good. What's the bare minimum? Um, no, I, no, no, no. Oh, no? okay. Am I, so, so, no. I'm misinterpreting. Yeah. All right, so, run me so through. here's the whole point. The, the, you have to understand that we are not overwhelmed. Um, or rather, our parents were overwhelmed because they didn't have, say, our grandparents didn't have cars and they didn't have all this stuff. So everyone was, or everyone since the Bushmen has been overwhelmed. There, there is no difference. What we live in is an age of distraction. So what is distraction? Distraction is many things hitting you at the same time. That's distraction. And if you say, I'm going to take on these 20 tasks in a day, well, you're not able to take on 20 tasks. But you're, 
especially because the tasks that you're trying to take on are difficult tasks. So if I say, okay, here are 20 tasks, go out there, what are the plans, drive to the supermarket, and I give you all these tasks, you can do them easily, no problem. The problem is when you're trying to set up a site or you're trying to write the sales letter. These are difficult tasks because you don't know how to do them. So you have to explore as you go along. And that's why I only do three tasks on a continuous basis. These are long-term projects in a way. And you're just doing them until they finish and you're doing the bare minimum. Three tasks in a day. That's it. You have three triggers in a day. You get the job done next day. Three, this is how I continue to do on a daily basis because everyone runs into distraction. Everyone gets distracted. And the, the deadline stuff, that's easy to finish because, you know, someone is sitting on your head. You've sold a book. You've sold a product. You have to deliver. That's not a problem. You might not get sleep. You, you might be stressed, but you will deliver. The difficult stuff is the stuff that has no deadline. So two things. One, um projects expand to fulfill their container. So if I know it, uh, it's a double-edged sword. If I know something has a deadline, then oftentimes, you know, a project that should take a day, but I've got a week to do it, suddenly, magically, it takes a week to do, right? And then conversely, if, um, and someone, someone said this to me yesterday, they said, well, I found if I'm my own, if I'm my own boss, I don't work very well because they don't have, um, there's no, there's no deadline. There's no, no accountability. Not entirely true. Uh, it, if you sell something to someone, you have to deliver. There of is course. no choice. So the, one of the things that you have to do is you have to pre-sell something. Uh, when, when I write a book, when I create a course, when I'm selling a product, um, I have to say, you know, th this is this this is the page, and then I have to create a sales page. Right now, we have announced uh, workshops for Singapore and Brussels. We just announced it. We didn't say where it was going to be, what date, nothing. And people are going, where? Can you send me more information? Can you give me the dates? So, so essentially, what we're doing is we're announcing something, and as a result, people are forcing us to move towards that deadline. So you're now adding, these, by yeah, announcing yeah. it, you're adding accountability to your life. Correct. Okay. I mean, a lot, a lot of people, you know, will go on a TED stage and say, well, you should not tell anybody your goals. Sure. But then if nobody knows and you just know, well, we, we've gone through that before. It just, it dies in our own brain. Yes. Yeah. It's easy to have exciting projects and then do nothing with them because you don't announce them. And that was two years ago. We I wrote my um, the book uh, e-commerce bootcamp, which is about you know everything we had learned, sort of a standard operating procedure for building a success marketing a successful Shopify store. And one of the first things I did after I had committed to, all right, I'm going to write this, was announce it to a newsletter with a date. And I remember at the time my business partner wanted to murder me because he's like, it's not enough time, we can't do it. I said, no, it will take exactly that amount of time. And he was right, it was a big, it was a bear, but we did it because we had made, we had created that accountability um, and announced, you know, to to a few thousand people, hey, this is this is the day you can expect this thing. Yeah, and not not everything can work to that announcement thing, which is why you have this bare minimum. So, for instance, I'm working on a new website. Um, I I really can't anticipate how much time it's taking. Like yesterday, I worked on a page which was completely different from the other pages. Now that might take me three days or four days with this bare minimum thing to to work out. 
Um, usually they'll take me maybe uh, 20 minutes because everything's set up. But so you run into a problem and it's totally different. Not everything will run to, okay, there's a deadline. And that's that's really where it is. The, the deadline stuff will get done. It's the non-deadline stuff that feeds your soul. That's the, the you know, maybe you want to learn to cook. Maybe you want to learn to dance. I know this is not business, but it's the same thing concept that applies to business, which is the stuff that you really want to do, that you enjoy doing, is not something that clients are demanding right now. And that gets pushed to the to the wayside. And so for that, you've got to have this bare minimum, because otherwise you're going to get distracted. You know, every time you do a photography course, well, there is another photography course that says this is so much better. Right. Okay. So uh, let me run this this real world example past you. I have, um, we're, we're selling a ton of stuff, especially with e-commerce and leading up to the holidays. A lot of people decide now, which makes sense. They go, all right, we got to invest in this site now, get this, get our marketing, get our site, get our funnel, get all this stuff tuned up before Black Friday happens. Because once that hits, we're going to be, you know, you don't want to be, <laughs> you don't want to be trying to launch a new website, you know, in the first week of December. Not a great idea. So they say, all right, let's get this stuff taken care of now. So he's sold many projects. I'm excited about it. But at the same time, I want to, I want to redesign, uh, our own, our, our own agency website. I've got like the whole thing has been percolating in my head for about a month now. Like at this point, I could, I can imagine every single page and know what's going to go into it, but I haven't done anything beyond just think about it and have it live in my head because I have these obligations, these client projects. So what am I doing wrong? How should I be tackling, tackling my day if I want to achieve, um, building my own stuff. So you think that it'll take a little time, right? And uh, what happened was in um, 2015, July 2015, I started building our, our own website. And then I got all of this other Black Friday stuff coming at me, Christmas stuff coming at me, not literally, but but just all these distractions. And look, we're almost in 2018. So what I had to do was renegotiate this thing with myself. And I started a month ago and I said, okay, I'm only going to spend. So at 545 every evening, I sit down and I work on just 15 minutes of my website. And it's incredible. I mean, on the Psychotactics website, we've got hundreds of pages. And lots of them are sales pages and lots of them are selling products and services. And the point is that I have got so much done. There is still quite a distance to go. But considering what I've done in the last two years, this is phenomenal. And and so I'm saying have your trigger, 5.45 to 6 o'clock. That's all you're going to do. And you say, that's too little. Well, look at my niece, 15,600 equations. <laughs> It eventually adds up, even though it seems like really slow progress. You're right. And so when you say, so you've got 5.45 to 6, and that's your trigger, is that, um, do you literally block this time out in your calendar that's like 5.45 to 6, work on website? Yeah, I have I have a specific trigger that goes off, which is, in my case, it's, you know, I have to go and mentor my niece at 6 o'clock, so I know, okay, there's 15 minutes left. Uh, because an alarm goes off, okay, you have to work with Marsha at 6 o'clock. And that's it. And um, everything has to be linked to a trigger. But when I say everything, I only mean three important things or three important long-term projects that you're working on. The rest of the deadline stuff will take care of itself. 
It's the long-term projects that will kill you. Mentally, they will kill you. They will drain you because you hmm. always know I have to do this. And this also leads to energy depletion. So when you're feeling really tired at the end of the day, it's because of just these three things that keep going around in your head all day long. Hmm. Yeah, no, I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. You, it's easy to, when you've got something big and you're worried about it doing this project, and then you don't do it, you could feel drained from just having worried about it as opposed to having actually done anything with it. And one of the one of the productivity hacks I use on myself is just if I'm staring at this project, and I think this speaks to your your bare minimum um, idea, not exactly the same thing, but I'd say I'm I'm overwhelmed by this, but I pick a single step, just like whatever the single first step is, and maybe it'll only take me two minutes. I just go, I only have to do that. I'm just going to do that. And that makes it much more manageable. And the moment I just do that one thing, well, okay, all right, well, maybe I do the next thing now. And then suddenly, an hour later, I have finished this thing I've been spent hours more dreading. Yes, but here's the difference. What I'm not saying that this is the trick to get you to do more stuff. I'm not saying, okay, just put on your shoes and then you'll go for a walk for an hour. No, I'm saying just put on your shoes. That's it. Do absolutely the bare minimum Take 15 steps and come back and take off your shoes. That's it. You've got exactly two minutes to do this. Do this in two minutes and then you're done. And so then what this does is it, it doesn't, because your brain works it out. They go, okay, now he's going to make my me put on my shoes. Then I'm going to go for an hour. I don't have an hour. No, it's just what can I do in the next five or 10 minutes every single day? And if you go further in that day, that's fine. But it's not a trick to make you do more stuff or to get you enthusiastic. It's just like, okay, I've got 10 minutes. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the to whatever else I have to do. Okay. So how do I add? Um, I get that. Makes sense. It's, it's stacking the bricks. It's doing a small chunk at a time every day. And suddenly you turn around and go, oh, my gosh, I've got a house. Um, the uh, So how do I – what are some, some practical ways I can add accountability to to my life to these things you have to have someone else that you report to and preferably like for instance we have this forum at 5000 bc we have a taking action forum so a lot of people have membership sites and in the membership site people read information and they read so that's more a distraction but you're not getting anything done so we force not force but we nudge our members to go and to create that bare minimum thing and then report back every day and then they do that every single day. And it's amazing how much you can get done. You have to have someone else. If you think that I have a friend, he was able to buy his house, pay off all his loans, do everything all by himself. I've never run into a second person like that. So, you know, even for me, it's like I get a lot done. But the more you do, the more you can do. And then... Of course, it starts to spiral when you have stuff. So get somebody. Get someone that is going to not hold you accountable. They're just going to read your stuff every day and go, oh, that was good. That's that's it. They don't have to critique anything. They don't have to say anything. If they do, that's fine. I have long been an advocate of having a business partner. I really, uh, you know, now that you've said that, looking backwards at it, without the business partner, I don't think because he adds accountability, I don't think I would have been able to achieve nearly as much. Um, and same at home, my wife is incredibly supportive. And, and you know, one of the things I love about her is she she pushes me. She cares. Um, and I think that has also added 
uh, tremendous accountability in uh, my personal life as well as my work life. So I've got my my work wife and my my actual wife. Um, and yeah, what a you know, two the the most important thing. One of the most important things they add to my life is that accountability. Does that make sense? Does that ring true to to what we're trying to do here? Yes, but it doesn't have to be because a lot of people go, well, I'm not married and I don't have a business partner. You don't need to be that. You just, you, you can find anybody. As long as you say, I'm going to report back every day at, so at six o'clock every day, you know, I go, okay, it's six o'clock. This is what I've done today. That's it. And it's, you know, when it's the bare minimum, you're not trying to achieve anything. You're going, okay, Mount Everest is going to take five years to climb. I'm going at it in five years. Uh, for instance, I decided to, so people get really frustrated with me because the brain audit has been around since 2002. And they go, this should have been a bestseller. A million people should have read this book. Why are people not reading this book? So That's how I feel. I, 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 <laughs> I will pile on. I know. And a lot of people get very frustrated um, that that they can't just refer to it, uh, to, you know, and they have to sell it to a, a somebody else. So um, so I said, OK, fine. 2020 will release uh, a book. And, and it seems like, wait, what? We're 2017. What, what's 2020? But that's it. I'm going to go through the process of finding a book agent and going through that publishing process now. That's my Mount Everest. So I'm going to spend maybe 15, 20 minutes every day working out that process. And that's it. So now here you go. I have announced it on this podcast. You can hold <laughs> me accountable by 2020. Fantastic. Now yeah, I'm honored. Um, okay. The, so on the topic of the brain audit, um, I love, well, I, I love all the, these ideas for, uh, adding productivity and energy. Um, well, let me ask you one question before I switch topics here to to copywriting. Um, if I were if I were an entrepreneur, I have said I've got a full time job and I've dis I've made the decision. I've said I'm going to start my online business. What What's the one thing you wish they would do? The one thing that you have to remember is that there is no such thing as passion. So. In the past, I've said, you know, you should follow your passion and stuff. You just have to solve somebody else's problem. Because, you know, I, I read uh, Scott Adams. The I don't care for Dilbert as much because I'm a cartoonist. And, you know, cartoonists don't always agree with each other. But I like his wisdom. And he said that, um, is you know, is it that success breeds passion or passion breeds success? And it is that success breeds passion. You can't enjoy yourself dancing if you don't learn to dance. And people go, oh, I'm hopeless at dancing. Of course you're hopeless at dancing. You spend like zero minutes trying to dance. You, they say, I'm hopeless at cartooning. I, you know, I was never born to draw. It's not true. We have had hundreds of people do a cartooning course, people who said, you know, I couldn't draw. I couldn't draw a straight line. So, So what you've got to do is, you have to get to the point where you're in the middle of stuff and that's when you start to enjoy it. So when people go, oh, I have to find my passion. No, you can't find your passion. You have to build a level of success. You have to build a certain point where you're feeling, hey, this is easy. You know, I can drive a car. I can go to the supermarket. I can go out of town. I can go to Los Angeles in this car. 
that's when you feel passionate about it. You don't feel passionate about it when you're in your driveway trying to learn the car and it's lurching back and forth. So you have to go a distance and that's what people do. They try to they try to figure out how they can get instant success and instant passion. And you're like 300 miles away when you suddenly realize, wow, I'm enjoying this stuff. Huh. And yeah, that's, that's, that's how you have to go. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. And I think you know, one of the things that I have I, uh, attributed my own success to that I have seen consistent in successful entrepreneurs is grit, is this just willingness to continually, like, you know, two factors. How quickly can you overcome obstacles and how quickly can you, well, can you let it, can you stop thinking about it after you've overcome it? Can you get past these, these hurdles and then, and move on with your life? Um, and we, we've called it grit. Um, but yeah, I think that you're right. It speaks to, um, you know, looking, looking forward, looking through, looking ahead through that, uh, that journey to the destination. Yeah, it's you, you, the the thing is, you know, there are various factors. There's grit. There is a good teacher. There there are so many things that that help you along the way. <laughs> the point is that you you have to remember that it's a business first, not an online business. First, the business that you took online. So you have to understand how to run that business, and to ha- understand how to run a business, you have to run the business, and you're not going to be um, passionate about something until a lot down the line. When when I I can sit down at my desk and draw a cartoon in seven seconds. My wife draws really good cartoons. She's been practicing now for five or six years. She'll take five five minutes maybe. And so both of us are feeling a certain amount of passion for it, a certain amount of success. But someone who spends 50 minutes is not going to feel that. And so they have to get to the point where they can take five minutes and ideally five seconds. Then it's fun. Do you think this is why people fail? Yes. I think they fail because they fail to understand that when you're a baby, you can't really walk that quickly. And it's only once you're past a certain, you know, when you're, you're when you're a baby, when you're just starting out, you don't know stuff. You don't, you can't balance, you can't eat, you can't do all of this stuff. And then somewhere along the way, when you're like 13, you go, well, I know everything, but you still can't earn enough to support yourself to do stuff. And it's way down the line, like when you're 25 or 30, that you start to go, okay, I'm kind of getting a a handle on my life here. So maybe, of course, you've got some debts and you've got this and you've got that. That's just how you manage your life and how you've been brought up. But the point is that eventually it's way down the line that you start to feel I have a bit of control over my life here. And of course, you can change things, but you're not going to be able to change things right at the start. And that's why people fail because everyone online is trying to sell you this press this button, press this button, and, and and I tell them, sorry, there is no magic button. There is this journey, and all you can do is, you know, you've had a good day, drink a glass of wine, enjoy it next day. That's it. And then take a break because, you know, you have to enjoy that 
that break so that you come back, you're you're refreshed. And people go, I don't have time for a a month-long vacation. Fine, take the weekend off. Turn off your phone for the weekend. See how it see how it feels. It is yes, having that making that concerted effort uh, and time for yourself to un, to disconnect is tremendously important. Um, and you know, every time I feel getting depleted and out of stress or getting stressed out and depleted, that's when I say, "All right, it's time to do nothing." Um, and oftentimes, I, I come back with not only recharged but also uh, with new perspective on how I should be maybe uh, tackling these these things that I was thinking were stressful, were, were stressors. Um, yeah. If you, if you look at an electric car versus a normal car, you'll know the difference. So, so I drive an i3, which is a BMW i3. It only goes like 150 kilometers, which is about, I think, 80 miles or something like that. And you have to run that car at optimum level. If you accelerate too quickly, if you, it can go faster than any other car on the street except for the Tesla. But the point is, if you accelerate too quickly, if you brake too quickly, if you don't anticipate, you will run down that battery faster than you can think. And there is no, you know, no one can come with and fill gas in it. You're just stuck in the middle of the motorway or the highway or the freeway. You're just stuck there and you have to be towed away. Now, the Tesla is not human it goes 300 miles this goes 80 miles your body your brain is like my car the i3 it's not like a tesla but we think that it's like a tesla and so we run it like a tesla and it doesn't work that way and that's why we're failing we're failing because we think we have endless amounts of energy we have endless amounts of resources and we have the internet and we have all these buttons that we can press no it doesn't work that way huh so Ultimately, it's accepting, embracing these these human limitations, and then working with them. Correct. So, what do you? Um, I think one of, uh, I think conversely, um, people also set themselves up for failure, where they they get locked inside uh, these negative thought spirals, and they just go, "Well, what if I'm not good enough, or you know, my product's not good enough, or my site's not good enough?" And they start, and they just kind of spiral, and then do nothing. Like, is that a do you think that's a, a common cause for this failure where people have done it to themselves? Um, well, go ahead. It, yeah, it's you, so Apple 10, the, the phone just got launched. What do you think people in, in Apple Inc. are doing right now? They're sitting there wondering whether it'll be a success or a failure. That's what they're doing. They know it's a good product. You know that you have a good product. But is it going to be a success or a failure? They don't know yet. They will know in six months and a year from now whether it was a success or a failure. And this is true for every entrepreneur. It doesn't matter how successful you are, how much publicity you have. Eventually, the next product that you sell, you don't know. And you have to do the best that you can. And and then that's it. But a lot of people, they tie their own, you know, their own lives to that thing. It's like, okay, I failed with this product. Well, I'm not going to succeed in anything else. But the thing about great entrepreneurs is that they have far more mistakes. So so when I'm doing a cartoon, for instance, I will do 25 cartoons and probably choose one. Photographers will take 300 pictures and choose one. And entrepreneurs think that the first picture that they're taking, the first cartoon they're doing, the first job they're doing, that's going to work. Well, no, it's not going to work. That's not how professionals work. 
professionals know that you have to make a lot of those mistakes. And when I'm saying mistakes, these are things that are progressive. You're learning from these mistakes as the day goes on. So you'd make it, you continue, you make it, you continue. It's not sit there and ruminate, oh, what did I do? And people sit down and they ruminate. And this is part of the whole job thing. If you had a job before, you had a supervisor, you had someone came across and said, you know, you didn't do this so well. Oh, okay. Too bad. You're not going to get a promotion. So a lot of it comes from there. But when you look at someone who's doing, uh, you know, selling lemonade on the street like a kid, you know, five people walk by, they don't care. Ten people walk by, they don't care. Eventually, they're trying to sell a lemonade. And that's your goal. Your goal is I'm going to make all these mistakes. I'm going to make as many mistakes as I can in a given day. And if it is something that you can do, say, okay, my goal for today is to make 25 mistakes and then go after those 25 mistakes and you won't feel so bad about it. This is quite the, quite the philosophical journey for me. I have, I've got a lot to noodle on. Um, okay, so I, I don't want to take up any more of your time. We're coming to the end of our time together. Where could people go to learn more about you? It's Psychotactics and um, go to psychotactics.com xbrain, like the letter X. B-R-A-I-N, you can read about the brain audit. And, you know, if you want to talk about the brain audit on a second episode on copywriting stuff, we can do that separately. <laughs> so, yes, we sh- I did open with that and then um, ended up with the, this tremendously uh, powerful discussion about, um, really about mindset, um, which in the last year has has fascinated me and, and been powerful in growing my business. Um, so I appreciate it. But yeah, I did. <laughs> my intro was about like how the brain audit was, was tremendous, um, for me. But yet, no, this is, this has been phenomenal. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I was happy to go down this diversion. Yes. So, okay. I will, uh, we will, we'll wrap it up there. Um, I think that that's just, that's it for us today at the unofficial Shopify podcast. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So please join our Facebook group. It's the unofficial Shopify podcast insiders and come talk to us or, Sign up for my newsletter. It's at kurtelster.com. Shoot me a thoughtful email. You'll get a thoughtful response. But either way, you'll be notified when a new episode goes live. And of course, if you'd like to work with me on your next project, you can apply at ethercycle.com. And as always, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.